0: the soviet style process that speaker pelosi and adam schiff have been conducting behind closed doors for weeks now
1: it's the single greatest witch hunt in american history probably in history but in american history this is an unfair process being driven by sore losers i'll say this finally a check on the president up until now
0: we've only had a check from the president to a porn star
1: we'll be voting against i am hopeful and i think this is going to happen Every single Republican will be voting against the resolution on Thursday. Because we're going to go in there, we're going
0: to impeach the mother... I'm Jason Dick, and this is Political Theater. Everybody has something to say about impeachment. They think they understand it. But what we're seeing is a pretty singular moment. The impeachment inquiry of President Donald Trump is pretty different than the impeachment inquiry of President Bill Clinton and President Richard Nixon. And fortunately for us at Political Theater, we have CQ Roll Call contributor Finley Lewis, who... Covered the impeachment of President Richard Nixon and also of Bill Clinton, and is uh, following along pretty closely with what's going on with Trump. Finley was uh, working for the Minneapolis Tribune as their bureau chief in the 1970s and covered the inquiry of Nixon up close, and then was uh, covering the impeachment of Clinton for Copley News Service in 1998. Finley, welcome to Political Theater. Well, thank you. Delighted to be here. It's great to have you. Uh, let's talk. Let's start with. Nineteen seventy four. You know, some of the stuff that we've talked about, kind of offline, out of out of this podcast, is just that. Um, these these impeachment inquiries have sort of distinct identities, mm-hmm. and and when you were talking about some of the particulars, particularly how members on both sides of the aisle conducted themselves mm-hmm. in the in Nixon's inquiry, I was just sort of it occurred to me that that's not exactly what we're seeing at least yet uh, with uh, our current situation. So let's talk about mm-hmm. the, the, particularly how the House Judiciary Committee your observations. Uh, when when they were, you know, talking about impeaching a president.
1: Well, what uh, was most striking about the Judiciary Committee's uh, proceedings, particularly when they got to the point of actually voting on articles of impeachment, was you had a sense that uh, it was a moment of high solemnity, uh, that they were aware of the historic nature of, of, of uh, their action. This, after all, was the first impeachment process since... Uh, what 1868?
0: Yeah, Andrew Johnson, uh, after the you know sort of a couple of years after the Civil War ended,
1: and so you could see, they could sort of feel the weight of the history, uh, and um, you know the language of the cost, Constitution is is very uh, uh, stark and 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 beautiful in its in its brevity, uh, high crimes and misdemeanors, and uh, so when it actually came time to vote to vote on articles of impeachment, if you were to listen to that roll call now. Call of the roll is demanded and the roll call is ordered and uh, all those in favor of Article Three as amended, please signify by saying aye when their name is called. Those opposed, no, and the clerk will call the roll. What you would hear was uh, the very solemn voices of people wrestling with their consciences and with the facts of the case. Mr. Edwards. Aye. Mr. Hutchinson. No. Mr. McClory. Aye. Mr. Smith. No. Mr. Sandman, nope. Uh, and um, Mr. Uh, when it finally finished, uh, there was a, a congressman named Hamilton Fish, who was a Republican from upstate New York, who, yeah. and whose father uh, was a conservative Republican in the 1930s and early 1940s. And he ran something. He ran a national organization to basically uh, save Nixon's bacon, and so he was uh, he was opposed to impeachment and. Um, and he was in daily contact, almost daily contact with his son, pleading with him not to do what uh, he was poised to do. And so when he delivered his vote, he said he did so with great hesitation and uh, much reflection. And after it was all over, uh, I ran into him in the hall and his face was drawn and tired. And I said, uh, I asked him, well, what are, your, what are your emotions now? And he responded by quoting Abraham Lincoln saying uh, quoting a, Lincoln was quoting somebody who had been uh tired and feathered and he said uh, but for the honor i would have preferred to have walked and uh <laughs> so uh so that was the sort of the high drama the third article has been approved by a narrow margin uh, and uh, uh, I think by the time we got around to the second impeachment that I covered, the second impeachment to come down the road, which was the Clinton impeachment, uh, it was kind of uh, degenerating into high farce. First of all, I hope that we can now move forward with this process in a way that is fair, that is constitutional, and that is timely. Uh, the American people, um, uh, instead of talking about high crimes and misdemeanors, which really described what. Was going on in Watergate. I mean, the, the um, constitutional issues that were at stake in Watergate were profound, uh, and as a profound abuse of power and a profound uh, um, uh, obstruction of of the machinery of justice, uh, and it was all stemming from uh, this massive set of crimes that we know as Watergate. Um, and we get to the Clinton impeachment, and what does it, what triggered that? A sex scandal. Right. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Ms. Lewinsky. And, and so the proceedings of the House Judiciary Committee under the chairmanship of Henry Hyde uh, in 1998 We're um, all profoundly had none of the majesty. By what the president has done. He has deeply disappointed the American people and he's let us all down of uh, the Judiciary Committee's hearings uh, in 1974. Uh, and, uh, and the result was that uh, there was nothing really particularly memorable that would come out of that. And if in disgust or dismay we were to sweep aside the president's immoral and illegal conduct, what dangerous precedent would we set for the abuse of power by some future president of the United States?
0: And one thing that uh, strikes me about the similarity between what we're seeing now with the impeachment inquiry of of Donald Trump, uh, it, and 1998 is that the partisan lines are drawn, and we're and they're starting to the the, the inquiry itself is starting to, you know, get into these questions of what's a high crime or misdemeanor, or what's an impeachable offense, or what's a quid pro quo, mm-hmm. and it seems almost um, that that the the defense of the president is hinging on on some of these same sort of questions. What do you see, like, from your from your viewpoint here, I mean, like, you know, the, the, there is, the you know, from 74 to 1998, very stark difference. Are we seeing something that's more along the lines of 74 or 98?
1: Well, I'd say more in line with, with 74, uh, because the whole notion of uh, uh, trying to enlist a foreign government uh, in uh, digging up dirt on a political opponent, uh, that has some
0: Watergate echoes, you know. Which right? <laughs> that, no, I mean, uh, yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, that is that's that kind of fits more closely right.
0: into the definition of a high crime
1: and misdemeanor as we understood it during the Watergate session. Uh, so, uh, but the other thing that that you know, history never repeats itself, but it sometimes rhymes. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the uh, every time you have one of these impeachment inquiries, uh, you have a core question. Mm-hmm which is, what is an impeachable offense? What did the founding fathers mean when they, when they, when they uh, use those words, high crimes and misdemeanors? And generally, if you're defending a president in an impeachment inquiry, you're gonna want as narrow a definition of a high crime and misdemeanor as you can come up with, which generally means saying, uh, it has to be an impeachable offense. Um, uh, and the other side is going to argue, no, uh, uh, when they wrote the Constitution, there was a lot that's now on our statute books that they weren't aware of. So how could they have meant, meant it in such a narrow sense? They really meant a crime against the state, a crime against the political order. Uh, and uh, uh, and so that an impeachable offense... Um, uh, in the case of Nixon, in the case of Clinton, involves obstruction of justice, abuse of power, those kinds of things, not like a parking ticket, or even in the case of our president, presidents going out in Fifth Avenue and shooting somebody.
0: Right. Uh, I mean, well, that would probably be impeachable. That, the, that, I mean, I, I would hope we'd be able to agree uh, on, on that, but, I mean, the, the more that we hear, the more testimonies that we get, you know, in you know these depositions of officials who had something to do with the Ukraine call, or they had to do with foreign policy in Ukraine, or diplomatic relations with Ukraine, it seems that the 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 bar continues to be that there was something wrong here. That, that uh, particularly the people that, that are are would would be the prosecutors in this case, uh, the the House Democrats, they're saying we've reached these as impeachable offenses and. And and you know really what it comes down to though is that a majority in the House will decide yeah. what what is an impeachable offense. Yeah. I mean, we don't have a definition to work with you know, yeah. per yeah.
1: se. Yeah no that's true. Uh, uh, yeah and, and and all of which is to say that it it it, it is a political process right uh, and uh, uh, and it reflects all sorts of things that are possibly extraneous to the crime itself or the alleged crime itself, uh, but that all comes into play. Um, approval ratings and what your constituents back home are telling you and, but also kind of what you feel in your gut. You know, how is this going to play in the eyes of history?
0: Maybe the good way to wrap up is just to think, um, if you can uh, place yourself back in 1974, uh, Finley version, uh, could you have imagined that you would see not just one more, but two more at a minimum impeachment inquiries as you're sitting there and listening to, you know, what you said was the weight of history on these members of Congress. You know, would you have believed yourself if you said, I'm going to go through this two more times? And so no, I the wouldn't. Country. I <laughs> wouldn't have.
1: Uh, my father was a newspaper man. He was an editor an editor of the St. Paul Pioneer press. Uh, and he loved politics. And, um, Uh, he had died shortly before the impeachment inquiry, but I kept on thinking to myself, he must be up there someplace thinking, you know, you lucky guy. (laughs) I never got to cover one of those impeachments, and we used to game out, you know, what is the first sentence of our impeachment story gonna say, and there were those who had, you know, my colleagues who were imagining, you know, Baroque kinds of of first sentences, uh, lead paragraphs, as we call them, and and my approach was to let the weight of the of, of history speak for itself, and to keep it very clean and very neat. Um, president Richard Nixon, the thirty eighth president of the United States, was impeached for high crimes and misdemeanors. Period. Uh, and when I finally got to write that sentence with Clinton, that was the kind of of, of lead that I used.
0: Right. Well, Finley, thank you so much for walking us through this, uh, and uh, we'll—we've got a lot more to cover. <laughs> in, in <the laughs> no, I—I th- I,
1: I think we haven't seen the last of this. And, uh, anyways, uh, stay tuned, and we'll be watching this very carefully.
0: Political Theater is produced by CQ Roll Call, leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company.